It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for July 31st, 2008. My father Greg Gwynn is with me tonight. Hello, Dad. Jacob, it's good to be with you on the Virtual Bible Study. We've had last week we had some issues technically and the week before that. This week the power company had issues. We weren't even sure we were going to get fired up here, uh, and the power company got us power back just before we began, and so we're a little late getting on the air, and we've had some other issues, but hopefully we're getting out there not only to be heard but also to be seen again as we continue to try to work out the bugs of our new video link. All right, and uh, we do have some uh, improved lighting. That was one of our uh, takeaways from last week is that the lighting need to be improved, and maybe it is now a little bit. And we're still working on... Uh, those of you who have a slow Internet connection, we're still trying to make it possible for you to get just the audio feed, and I'm not sure we got that fixed yet, did we, Jacob? We're not tonight. Not yet. We, we didn't get it. We, we think we know what to do. We just, because the power was out, we didn't have time to make it happen this week. So if you're having trouble, if you're on a slow Internet connection and having the video is messing up your audio, uh, we're going to try to fix that, and hopefully we can do that. All right. The number to call to participate in the program tonight is 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And this is a special program for tonight, Dad. We're starting our fourth year. That's right. Uh, three years ago, on the last Thursday in July, we began a new thing called the Virtual Bible Study. We've been doing it every Thursday night for three solid years. We're starting our fourth year. This we haven't missed one yet, but we almost did tonight. We haven't missed one yet. There's been several times when we almost missed one with technical problems that had us scratching our head right to the last moment. Uh, I remember one episode that we did by the side of the road uh, just south of Birmingham, Alabama, uh, when we were coming back from a trip to, to the Katrina hurricane area. Uh, there have been some pretty interesting things happen, but we have not failed yet to get a program on the air and we're, we're grateful for it. We're really grateful for the opportunity. We think it's a good thing, and we are so grateful for our listeners who make uh, uh, make the program interesting by your participation. And uh, so our intention is to continue as we start into the fourth year of the Virtual Bible Study. All right, and uh, you might take a minute to let us know when you started to listen to the Virtual Bible Study, how you found out about us. Uh, we'd like to know that because we've got more people listening today than we did when we started, Dad, and oh, that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, we get we get a lot of listeners both live and especially by way of the archives. Many of you listen in archives. Uh, and by the way, I might mention those archives on our website page. If you go to the archives section, Every, literally every program we ever did is listed there, and we have tried to make the titles pretty um, subject-specific. And we don't have a search engine on that page, but I'm sure all of you who are listening know to, to hit Control-F and search for a word on a page. So if you raise, if you raise up that uh, archive page, hit Control-F and type in a word. Maybe you want to study fellowship, you want to study baptism, you want to study some other subject. 
check and see there. We, we've got programs on now over 150 different subjects. I think we'd have 166 because we had a leap year in one of those years. 156. 156. No, that's right. 165 times. Three times 50 be 350 and six more. 56, yeah, I'm sorry. When am I at 357? 350, yeah, something like that. So anyway, that is a good resource, and you might be able to use it if you're studying a subject. We might have done a program on it and and maybe can give you some help that way. But, again, we thank everybody for helping us make the – Virtual Bible Study, a reality, and we hope you'll continue to work with us on this program. We hope you'll tell others about it. Uh, we're spreading the news by word of mouth about the Virtual Bible Study. And I listened to that first program today, Dad, and our audio quality is not great now, but it's a lot better than it was that first program. Yeah, yeah we've learned some things, and we keep trying to make some improvements, and hopefully we are. So, uh, we, and, But we need feedback. As you have an opportunity to give us feedback about what we're doing, we're glad to hear it. And if we can make improvements, we will do so. And we ask in that first program three years ago, Dad, we ask for our listeners to send in topics that they would like discussed on the virtual Bible study. We've had many listeners who have done that, and we make that uh, request again. If you have something you'd like to hear discussed on the virtual Bible study, we're always open to that, Dad. It, uh, it helps us to come up with things to talk about that are helpful to our listeners, and that's what this is all about uh, so we do ask you to uh, send in your requests. That's right, and we've had requests, literally, we've had requests from around the world. Around the world. We've had requests from overseas, and we've tried to respond to those. So if you have requests and uh, subjects you'd like to hear discussed, send them in. We don't always get to all of them, but we, we, we try to, and we try to keep them all on file. So all right. let us know. All right. Uh, the number to call is 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Join in on the discussion tonight. We have an important subject tonight, Dad, an unfortunate subject, but an important one nonetheless. We want to talk tonight, Jacob, about dealing with conflict and controversy, especially in the local church setting. What do you do when there are controversial things that come up, maybe even conflict and and, uh, issues between brethren? What do you do? How should you react to those things? Earlier today, we sent out to our update list these questions. Number one, what do you think are the biggest mistakes that Christians make when faced with a situation that involves controversy? So question number one, what mistakes do people usually make when controversial things come up? Question two, what are the biblical principles that ought to be employed when dealing with controversy or conflict among brethren? So those are two questions. In other words, one number, number one, what are the mistakes people make? Number two, what ought we to do? What would be the right way to approach conflict and controversy? We sent those questions out earlier today. If you have not yet responded, we want to hear from you. We've got quite a few responses already, and we're interested in getting yours. Uh, remember, if you're not getting those email updates about our program topics, we send those out earlier in the day on Thursday so that people can start thinking about it and giving us feedback. If you're not on that update list and you'd like to be, just simply send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Put in the subject line, add me to your list, and we'll do that. All right. Well, as we talk about the controversy, Dad, it is important for us to understand uh, that there's going to be controversy. A lot of times uh, when controversy arises, it uh, sometimes it shakes people's faith and uh, gets them rattled. And controversy is a bad thing. God hates it. But God has told us there's going to be controversy. That's right. It's it's a reality. It's it's inevitable. We need to know that that's so. And not, like you say, Jacob, not be all tore up and you know maybe have our sh- faith shaken when it does come up. Um, in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 4, it says, They that forsake the law praise the wicked, 
but such as keep the law contend with them. So there in Proverbs, the statement is there are going to be some people who are going to praise the wicked. They're going to be wicked people, and they're going to be those who side with them, who, who praise them when they do wickedness. But if we keep the law, we're going to contend with such people. It's our job to contend with the wicked, contend with those who, who violate God's law. That's a rule that we need to be living by. All right, in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, and this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Again, Dad, there's a prophecy there that Jesus makes that the evil people are not going to like those who are trying to do good. That's right. He said that, that those who prefer darkness are not going to love those who are proclaiming the truth, the light of the word, they're going to they're going to cause problems and difficulty. There's going to be contention and controversy and conflict. In Matthew chapter uh, 10, Jesus promised this. Matthew 10, beginning verse 22, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. The disciple is not above his master nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? So Jesus said, you know, they mistreated me. They're going to mistreat you as well. You can expect that. There's going to be trouble. And if you think that that's not so, you just, you're just fooling yourself. Well, we should be surprised. Jesus came to the world, and uh, he had trouble, and we shouldn't be surprised. That's right. And Paul said we can expect it. Second Timothy 3.12, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. By the way, you're looking good on that side of the table. Have you got makeup on tonight? No, no makeup. Uh, probably, that new light you've got. Probably need some. We put okay. some extra lighting in okay. here to, to light yeah, it up because people good. said it was yeah. dark. Yeah. yeah, all right. And, and uh, talking about trouble, talking about the possibility of trouble, I think it's always worse, Jacob, when it comes from our own brethren. But the Bible even predicted that. In other words, it's not only the opponents of Christianity who are going to cause us trouble, but sometimes trouble will come from among our own brethren. And this, I think, is especially what we want to talk about in our study tonight. Paul told the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, beginning verse 29, Know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Paul said that, the, that there be even pro, internal problems. And that, that's where we want to concentrate our study and, tonight. And that's where we really can get rattled if we're not prepared for that. Paul said that even from those who would be admired, those... Uh, who would be the leaders in the congregation could cause trouble. And so there's going to be trouble in congregations. We just need to be prepared for that. Yeah, and, and, and along that same line, Paul wrote in Second Corinthians 11, when he talked about his own troubles and trials that he had faced, he said in Second Corinthians 11, verse 26, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. Notice this, in perils among false brethren. So among brethren, now Paul talked about all the troubles he had, and he mentioned from among his own brethren, false brethren, in other words, those in error, but among the brethren caused him a lot of grief. And so we just have to accept the reality and know that it's going to come. Now, if it's going to come, then what, what we have to do is be prepared and know the proper way to address that, to approach it. And those are the questions you've asked for this consideration tonight. If you have not joined in on the discussion with the answers to those questions, we would encourage you to do that now or any question or comment you might have about controversy in a local congregation. The two questions for consideration tonight, what do you think are the biggest mistakes that Christians make when faced with a situation that involves controversy? So number one, what are the biggest mistakes 
And number two, what are biblical principles that ought to be employed when dealing with controversy or conflict among brethren? Those are the two questions we asked for your feedback on tonight. And as we said, any question or comment is fair game for the program tonight. We'll take a short break and allow you to chime in with your comments. You do so by calling us on the phone at 877-381-4567 or by sending your email to questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word talk every Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back in to the virtual Bible study tonight. As we talk about controversy in a local congregation, it is unfortunate, but it is true. that controversy is going to exist, and we have to be prepared for it. We've asked you two questions for consideration tonight, and time for you to jump in. We want to know what are mistakes that people make and what are biblical principles that should be employed as we deal with controversy in a local church. We're going to go to some of our emails right away, and we want to hear your comments we got an open phone line, and we don't get people to use the, the free, toll-free uh, telephone line as much as we'd like. If you want to get on the air with us, we'll put you right on 877. That's toll-free, 877-381-4567. So if you uh, have a comment and you'd like to get on with the telephone, just give us a call. We'd be glad to put you on. Or we'd more than glad to get your email. And it's not a video phone. We said that last week. We want to remind our listeners, you don't have to put on your makeup. Uh, we'll just leave that for, for you, Dad. You, yeah. yeah. And everybody else can leave it like they are. Yeah. Jacob, before we get to the emails, I wanted to mention what I think are two extremes that we got to avoid concerning these matters of controversy. The first extreme is the reaction I think that some folks have, and that's to turn every, literally everything into a controversy. I'm afraid that I know some brethren who seem to actually thrive on controversy. It's like they love it. It's like that's what they want. They want to have controversy. And 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 so they have these methodologies established in their mind, and if you don't toe the line with them, they'll brand you as as uh, maybe some kind of a weak brother or something if you won't agree with them to jump into a war mode or a battle mode on every single issue, no matter what it is, uh, whether it's an important doctrinal issue or 
or just something that doesn't matter? Well, yeah, it's like they judge the the state of their spirituality by how many people they're in a fight with. That's right. In, in other words, it, it's like they get extra stars in their crown. Well, we fought but, with them good. Yeah, how many different people they've alienated over the years. And, mm -hmm. and I, I, I'm really afraid of that, and I'm afraid that I know some brethren that uh, very well who have been in that category, and I, I hope that, that that can be avoided. Um I think that, that approach is very hurtful to the cause of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15, Paul told us that speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We're supposed to speak the truth, but let us never forget we're to speak the truth in love. I'm afraid sometimes, rather than being guilty of speaking the truth in, in hatefulness, and that's not what we're supposed to do. In Colossians chapter 4, beginning verse 5, Paul said, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know, know how to an answer, how you ought to answer every man. And you know that idea, be careful how you answer. Even when you're speaking the truth, be careful how you speak the truth in such a way that you're not provoking unnecessary controversy and division. Um, the truth has to be defended. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, but... Even when you're defending the truth, you need to do it in such a way that you are not the, the impetus for uh, unnecessary strife. There's two ways to say things, or at least two ways to say things. The right way and the wrong way is what you're saying. We've got to be careful that we say it the right way. Yeah. And, and then in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, even when it's necessary to correct someone, notice Paul said, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering myself, lest thou also be tempted. Even when we have to engage a person who's wrong, we need to do it in a spirit of meekness. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, we're told to, we should be endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that, that endeavoring implies the idea that it's not going to be easy. You've got to work at it. You've got to work. It's got to be an objective and a goal of ours that we're going to be at peace and we're not going to be uh, the cause of controversy in the church. Yeah. Now, that's one extreme. We, I, I, before we get to the emails, I want to talk about these two extremes. Some who want to turn everything into a controversy, and they don't care. They'll, they'll, they'll split the body of Christ wide open. No, I mean, they don't care. The other extreme from them is some people who want to avoid controversy at all cost. And we can't do that either. And that passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 tells us we can't. We've got to keep the unity of the Spirit. That means that we have to be unified in truth. That's exactly right. But unfortunately, there's some people who won't stand for anything. And if anybody does take a stand on even an important doctrinal issue, they'll they'll say those that that those sort of, those sort of people are mean and unloving, and these are the kind of people who've even coined the phrase, we, Jacob, we ought to preach Christ and leave everybody else alone. We ought to get along at all costs. That that seems to be their rule. Now, in regards to those kind of people, Jesus actually warned. Jesus said, you can't do it. You can't accomplish it. Jesus warned in Luke six verse twenty six. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers false prophets. If we got everybody happy with us, in other words, if, if, we're, if we're conducting our business in such a way that we haven't got anybody who's opposing us, then that's a bad sign. The truth is going to cause some people to react negatively. We need to expect that. That's going to be the source of some controversy. Exactly right, and it's uh, the truth doesn't have a lot of friends, and Jesus found that out when he was here on earth, and we should be expecting the same results when we preach the truth as well. That's right. Paul said, Paul's example was in Galatians 2, beginning verse 4, when he went up to Jerusalem, there was controversy when he went up to Jerusalem. Uh, that, that, the historical account of that is in Acts 15. Paul wrote about it in Galatians 2, and he spoke about false brethren, verse 4, 
to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. When there were there, when there were those there who were teaching error, Paul said we wouldn't put up with that, not for a minute, and we contended with them. In fact, Jude three commands us to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. So there's two extremes we need to avoid. One is making everything a controversy, and the other is trying to avoid all controversy. We need to avoid those extremes. Let's go to some of these emails, Jacob. Question one said, what do you think some of the biggest mistakes that Christians make when faced with a situation that involves controversy? All right, 877-381-4567 to join in on that question or send it to questions at collegeview.com. Randy in Jackson, Missouri has responded to your question about biggest mistakes. He says, I think the biggest mistake Christians make is to assume that they know the motive of the person. Oftentimes, the offending person is operating out of ignorance, not malice. Another mistake Christians make is to try and get even rather than reconcile. Christians often think that they must win for the solution to be acceptable. All excellent points from Randy there tonight. I think I think Randy is right on the mark. Uh, one of the things we always have got to be on guard about is trying to judge the hearts of people. And the Lord can, knows our hearts perfectly. First uh, John chapter two says He knows us better than we know ourselves, but. We can't judge the heart of others. The Lord can judge our hearts, but we can't judge the hearts of others. And therefore, we need to be careful about doing that. I think Randy's exactly right. When you know some people act as though they know exactly what's in the heart of another person, and it may they may in fact many times they are exactly wrong, and and they compound the problem by prejudging the motive of the other person. And that, that's completely counterproductive to the process of getting a resolution. So I really think Randy is on the mark there when he says we need to be careful about judging the hearts of other people. Exactly right. And when we're in those heated uh, situations, in those controversial situations, it's very tempting for us to want to judge uh, the motives of the other. Yeah, and then when we do that, see, we make ourselves mad because we think we know what's in the other guy's mind, and, and it makes us mad. We've assumed something about his motive. It makes us mad. And then this, Randy's second point, we try to get even rather than reconcile. Now we're mad. We're not even inclined to try and work it out now. We just want to get even with the guy because we've judged his heart and we've assumed that he intended something uh, malicious or mean-spirited. And now we're mad. We're going to get even with him rather than even trying to reconcile. And with that idea in mind, Randy's third point, statement is uh, – People think they have to win for the solution to be acceptable. Yeah, if we get that mindset going, that guy, I've judged him to be mean and malicious. Now I'm, I want to get even with him. And the only way I can be satisfied in this matter is if it works out to have me as the winner. All of that is just completely wrong. So I appreciate Randy's comment. I think he's, he's really on the mark. All right. Thank you, Randy, for chiming in tonight. 877-381-4567-QUESTIONS at collegeview.com. We have an email from Michael in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and his response is, often the issue or issues are, is or are made personal rather than about the activity or, act, or action or conclusion. This can also result in personal attacks, which cause defensiveness and thereby, thereby impede an exchange. Some might uh, take a none-of-your-business attitude, which prevents any exchange when differences exist. Perhaps the most serious one is uh, serious is one side concluding that I'm right and have the truth and you're wrong and are teaching falsely, after which there is no real exchange if the attitude continues. 
I think those are all good points, too. Appreciate Mike for sending those in from Chattanooga. Um, let's say that the subject is something even important and doctrinal, like baptism, and someone differs with me on the subject of baptism. Well, if we disagree on the subject of baptism, that's an important disagreement that has to be worked out. But it's not personal. I mean, it's not about me. It's not about him. It's, it's a doctrinal question that can be settled by looking to the Word of God. But if I make it a personal thing, and that may be an extreme. I don't know how many people would take that sort of thing personally. But there are some biblical subjects uh, that people are inclined to have the opinion that if you disagree with me on this, then it, it, it's a personal affront to me. And we've got to get past that. Exactly right. So I, th- I think Mike's got a good point there. And, uh, and back to um, to Randy's comments about winning. In, 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 in an ideal situation, the only thing that wins here is truth. When we have a disagreement, we want to come to a knowledge of the truth. And uh, it, it's nothing personal. I'm not going to look like some superstar if, uh, if I convince you that, uh, that you're wrong and you're not in accordance with the truth. You're not going to look like a superstar if you convince me. And uh, and what we're doing is we're just trying to both help each other come to a better understanding of the truth. That needs to be our attitude, but yeah. it is very personal, as Michael mentions too often. What what are we trying to do? Are, are we trying to win or are we trying to arrive at truth? You know, if we're trying to win, then that's going to that's gonna produce a, a methodology in our mind that is not helpful. If if we think we have to win, then then we'll be inclined to make arguments that, have that are sort of designed to make the other side look bad. I got to win, and therefore, if I can make him look bad, it'll help me win this. If thing. that's what you're about, you need to go get into politics or go join a debate club. But yeah, you don't need to be doing that in the church. Exactly right. But if we if we're interested in arriving at truth, and that's gonna that's gonna promote in us a humility that will let us, if it comes to that, will let us say, you know, you're right, I'm wrong, and I'm gonna change my position on that subject. Uh, and, and that, I think, is the way we need to be. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Thank you, Michael, for joining in tonight. Steve up in uh, uh, Pennsylvania has written in, and he says, biggest mistakes that Christians make when faced with a situation involving controversy. He says, when, in, uh, when faced with controversy, it's very easy to let our emotions overtake us. When we get emotional, we have a tendency to start doing things that we should not do, even as Christians. For example, we may start name-calling advising others how to live their life or with regards to the situation, diagnosing what may be wrong with the other person, talking behind the individual's back to get others on our side, and many other things. Employing these things while emotional will result in a communications barrier. It's easier to let our emotions get the better of us, but it is far more difficult to overcome your emotions, and therefore it takes a stronger Christian. Again, I I think this is right in line with what we've been saying. I think Steve is exactly right. We need to be able to discuss these things without letting our emotions compound the problem. But I want to tell you, it's my experience that among Christians, when you get a seriously heated issue going, the cooler heads do not prevail. Usually it's the hot heads. The, who, the blood pressure just yeah, goes up. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not talking about others. I mean, I confess that I've been there myself on plenty of occasions. But it's very good advice that Stephen gives is try to keep your emotions out of it. We're seeking truth here. And, and, and emotions, wrong emotions especially, have a tendency to prevent that. All right. We're looking forward to hearing from you. We're going to take a break and let you jump in on the discussion. 
What are mistakes that people make when there are controversies in the church? And what are biblical principles that we should employ as we deal with those controversies? As we've noted, there are going to be controversies. No reason for surprise there when there are controversies and uh, problems in the church. The question is, how are we going to deal with them? And we're talking about that on the virtual Bible study tonight. We're going to this week's bullet point, and we'll continue the discussion on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. It doesn't fit my hand. That was the excuse an old friend would always offer whenever there was a job that required a shovel, rake, or hoe. Well, in reality, such tools don't fit anyone's hand. The evidence of this fact is seen in the soreness and blisters that appear when these implements are first employed. But if you stick with it, you can get over the irritation. In fact, seasoned workers develop calluses from their prolonged exposure. They no longer feel the pain. Calluses, you see, result in a reduced sensitivity to the things that would normally cause an unpleasant reaction. There's a spiritual parallel to the scenario we have just described. However, in this realm, it is a hurtful rather than helpful phenomenon. It goes like this. A Christian is in repeated contact with the elements of the world. The immorality, violence, vulgarity, immodesty, sensuality, and wickedness of society are an affront to his spiritual sensitivities. He is troubled by what he sees. It hurts him. But little by little, he begins to grow hardened to this irritation. Oh, yes, he still recognizes sin, but somehow it just does not torture him quite so much when he sees it. At first, for instance, he would turn off a TV program in disgust when sex or bad language was aired. But now, because of his prolonged exposure to such things, he can sit right through it, taking it all in, and in the process, grow even more callous to the wickedness he sees. Gradually, he demonstrates less and less discretion about the things he sees and hears, about the places he goes, the things he does, the way he talks, the clothes he wears. You see, his very spiritual being has been altered. He has become calloused by the evil culture. In Sodom, Lot was, quote, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, and he was, quote, tormented day after day with their lawless deeds, Second Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. But he stayed on, year after year, until finally he suffered the loss of everything. We can ill afford to follow his sad example. Let us all remain sensitive to the evils around us and join the psalmist in saying, quote, From thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way, Psalm 119, verse 104. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And welcome back into the virtual Bible study. If you haven't joined in yet, please take this time and do give us a call or send us an email. We're giving extra credit for phone calls tonight. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. 877 toll free, 877 381 4567. Or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We'd be loving to hear from you. We got an email. Uh, we've been talking about some who are just ready to cause division over anything. And Chris in McRoberts, Kentucky, has written in and asked this question. Have you, brethren, ever heard 1 John 2.19 to prove that division in the church is good and is needed? Uh, well, let me read that. 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. In other words, the, uh, John is acknowledging that some division had occurred. And uh, they they went out from us, he said, but they weren't of us. And, and this made it manifest. Another verse that's similar, Chris, is uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 19. Paul wrote, there must, also, there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. 
I don't think that those verses, my take on those verses, Jacob, is not that they're saying that division is is a good thing and we ought to rejoice over it. It's just, it's talking about what we were talking about earlier. It's an inevitable thing. It's going to happen. Uh, it's not something to rejoice over. It's not a good thing. In other words, when division occurs, we shouldn't say, oh, good, another one. We've been able to divide with more brethren. But when, when issues come up, if there are some who will not adhere to the truth and division results from it, then that division makes them manifest as to holding to a false doctrine. But it's not a thing. It's not a profitable It's not a thing. desirable thing. But yeah. I guess we could say they're beneficial byproducts. I, I suppose. I mean, if, if false teachers are identified and they won't repent, then that's just a necessary process. And we can't, we can't shun it. We can't avoid it. But I, I'm... I, I, I think a passage that might shine some light on this is John chapter 17, verse 21. Jesus, before his crucifixion, what was on his mind? Not that he wanted there to be these divisions and these heresies, but he wanted us all to be one. John 17, verse 21, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So God and Jesus want us to be unified. That's right. Uh, they don't want us to accept and tolerate error, but they want us to be unified. If there are, if there is error and heresies, then there may be some beneficial byproducts of that we can purge that out of the church. But it's not a, it's, it's not a, thing, a desirable thing. It's a thing to grieve over. Sure. When when people follow error and it prevents fellowship among Christians, that's a thing to grieve over. It's not a thing to rejoice about. And I guess the thing I'm concerned about is I think I know some brethren who rejoice over such episodes. It's a necessary thing, but it's not a it's not a thing to rejoice over. All right, thank you, Chris. Thanks. You, yeah, good. You know where McRoberts, Kentucky I do. is? I actually do. Well, good. Yeah. All right. I uh, appreciate you listening up there in Kentucky, Chris. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. Let us know your thoughts on the subject tonight. We're going to have to hurry to get to all of our emails. We got an email from uh, Jason. Jason writes anything says I think one of the biggest mistakes Christians make when faced with controversy is just simply not dealing with it. I think we're afraid many times to face up to it and don't want to be labeled as the troublemaker, so we just sit back and let controversy work its way into the church and root itself firmly there until one day we see the church split. Jesus shows us his boldness to confront controversy, but he also set an example of humility and a willingness to suffer. He lived out Paul's admonition in Philippians 2, verse 4, quote, Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Too often our conflicts are rooted in a competitive spirit. I'm right, they're wrong, no matter what. The attitude we ought to have is a desire to bring out the best in others while honoring them for their love and service to God. Paul reminds us in Philippians 2.16 that our responsibility is to hold fast to the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. We do that best by resolving our conflicts and forbearing our differences. While conflicts may arise, it must be resolved, not just suppressed. I think he makes a good point. All right. We do have a phone call we want to take. Thank you, Jason, for your comments tonight. Wayne is on the phone. Hello, Wayne. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Yes, uh, this is Wayne Travis. Where are you calling from, Wayne? Can you hear us, Jacob? Can you hear us, Wayne? Wayne, are you there? Let me work on Wayne here. Minute, we may have a technical glitch here. Can you hear us, Wayne? It was it was Wayne Travis. You may not have caught that. Oh, I think we just... Uh, We've lost him. Wayne, call us back. We we had some trouble with our connection there. We right. need you to call us back, Wayne. Sorry yeah. we lost you there. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. Uh, do, uh, if you do call back, Wayne, please uh, listen on the phone. Uh, there'll be some time delay if you're listening off your computer. Yeah, that, that so. may have confused him. But, uh, yeah, we want, to, we want to hear from you, Wayne, so please uh, do call us back. You know, that's pretty... Uh, I think our listeners may not know this. It's This is not an instantaneous uh, technology. 
there's depending on how busy the internet is, uh, it, it may you may be hearing us as much as 45 seconds after we're talking here on this end. That uh, we've seen the delay to be that much. Sometimes it's not that much. Other times it is. All right, I think we have Wayne back. Wayne, are you there? Hello. Well, there's a problem. All right. Well, there he goes. There he goes. Well, he can't hear us. So. He's not hearing us. Are you? Th- are you got him tuned up there? I've got him. I've got him cranked up there. It's, uh, I, it's pretty hot. So. All right. Call, call back, Wayne. Let's do it one more time. Third time's the charm. Yeah, we'll try it one more time. Uh, um, let's go to another email while we're waiting. If Wayne can call back, uh, Glenn up in Pound, Virginia. Glenn, great to hear from you for the virtual Bible study tonight. He says, "What do you think of the biggest pro- uh, mistakes that Christians make when faced with a situation that involves controversy?" He says, "One." We're probably going to do that. For three years, we never had that happen. And here on the first uh, Thursday of our fourth year, we've been out. The power's been out twice on us, so uh, we apologize. Sorry, we lost uh, uh, some of some of our listeners. Looks like several got kicked off. So hopefully, you'll try us again tonight. Uh, We've got several minutes left of the program. We go to the top of the hour, and we want to we want to continue to discuss what I think is an important subject here. It is an important subject. We're rattled, and it's not because there's controversy in the church. That's foretold, <laughs> We're, uh, but we are rattled because of uh, some technical difficulties. But it uh, looks like some people are coming back, so we want to hear from you. We do have a call that uh, I think we do need to take. Let's see if we can get, let's see if we can get Wayne let's try on the one air. more time, and because uh, we've had him on here. Let's try it again. Wayne, are you there? I'm there. Wayne, yeah. where, How you doing, Jacob? Fine, Wayne. Good to hear your voice again. Where, where are you calling from tonight? Illinois. Illinois. Well, it's a... Uh, I moved from uh, Oak Grove down to Atwood, Illinois, a little farm town village. Well, good. Hey, Wayne, turn turn your computer volume down. I can hear us in the background. I think it's going to confuse you. There's quite a bit of a delay there, and it's going to confuse you as you're trying to hear us on the, okay, on the phone. I turned it down. I can see your dad. Well, uh, that's good. I guess that, that is a good thing. You're not having to look at me. Uh, well, Wayne, uh, what about church controversy? Have you have you have you been well, have you witnessed church controversy in the past? Oh yeah, and uh, I have one that I would like to ask and see if you can uh, you and your dad put your heads together and come up with a conclusion as to whether it is or isn't something that should be uh, done in the church. Um, I want to reference First Corinthians eleventh chapter and the tenth verse. And I'd appreciate it if you'd look that up and uh, read it out loud. And then tell me whether women in the church should have their head covered or not while they're praying. And I'll hang up. All right, Wayne, we appreciate you calling. And listen for your answer. Thank you, Wayne. Good to hear from you. That's right. a, that's a subject that we haven't addressed. We're, that's not really our topic tonight to deal with a specific issue of controversy, and that's a topic we have not covered on the virtual Bible study in three years. We know that we've got faithful brethren who differ on that 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 matter of personal conscience, and people of, uh, that I regard as good, strong Christians, uh, serious students of the Word, have historically taken different views on that. Uh, and one of the things that I think has been commendable is that brethren have been able to allow the exercise of conscience in that matter. Uh, it's it's not an it's not an issue that's going to be settled by what you or I might say, Jacob, or what someone else might say. Serious, very dedicated, and serious students have studied this for a long time, and it continues to be an issue that that uh, brethren have 
personal conscience and issues of personal conscience that differ with one another on that. And so that being the case, uh, we've sort of intentionally uh, left that question alone. We, we can study it, maybe we will at some time, and try to get, get both sides of that issue covered. Uh, but this would be one of the kind of the, one of the kind of things where I think we can honor one another's conscience in this. Well, I, I actually heard Bill Hall touch on this subject in a sermon uh, that I listened to this week, and some of our listeners probably know the name Bill Hall. Um, and his his um, position on it is it is a subject that we need to come to an understanding of. We all need to come to an understanding. If we understand it, we'll understand it alike. But as as uh, you mentioned, Dad, it is a subject with that people have different conclusions about, and we need to continue to study with one another and come to, to come to a conclusion. Um, and as long as we can have the attitudes that we're talking about tonight, uh, Bill Hall says we can continue to work together to, to try and to come to that understanding that we need to come to. Well, one of the things I think about the, the, that question is if we differ on it, in other words, if your conscience about it is different than my conscience about it, it doesn't affect our collective work together. You know, right. some some issues we just if we in other words, if we differ on the work of the church or the organization of the church or the worship of the church, then we can't continue to work together until we come to an agreement about those things. We, in other words, we're, we're at opposite ends of, of a, an issue that directly affects what we do collectively. And we've got to have an answer to those kinds of questions. Some of these that involve personal conscience and our personal practice uh we can keep studying, keep working. I agree that we ought to come. I mean, we ought to be able to understand that alike. That's, I believe, what the Lord wants us to do. Uh, if we disagree, we both can't be right if we disagree. So it's a subject that we can continue to study. But it, it is a, a, a matter of personal conscience. We've not dealt with it on the virtual Bible. So we might do that. We might consider doing that at some point. Um, but uh, I appreciate Wayne asking that question, but we're not prepared to deal with that just right now. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Let's take one break, and then we'll go to the top of the hour. We've got lots of ground to cover, so let's uh, go to the break, and stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Four five six seven. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight, and we're glad that you are here with us. And uh, hopefully everyone that was with us before our power outage tonight is back with us. Well, our log looks like we've got almost as many listeners back uh, connected as we had before, maybe down a little bit. But uh, we're sorry for that. You know, that's the first time that's happened. 
in in now over three years of doing the virtual Bible study, but it it, it uh, I suppose that was inevitable as well, Jacob, that that would happen. That's true, and uh, we just have to deal with it appropriately. Yeah. And uh, that's what you, what you do is you bring your computer up and you try and get everything. If you going lose again. if you lose the stream, if you're listening and you ever lose the stream, stay right there. We're gonna if it's on our end, we'll we'll notice it and we'll be getting back to you as quick as we can. And if you just hit the the play button on your media player and just keep hitting that every few seconds till you find the stream again, it'll find the stream if it's out there. If it's between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock on Thursday night, we're going to be doing our best to get this thing on the air. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I was talking about an email from Glenn in Pound, Virginia. Let me reread it. He says, here's what Christians sometimes do. Impun- the, the big mistake, he says, impugning the motives of other participants. If we think of ourselves as having the purest of motives, hence those who oppose us must be seeking some personal advantage against us. They must be wicked and vile creatures or else they would not be in conflict with me. Now, I don't know Christians can't... Uh, I don't think Christians conscientiously think this, but they but act as if it's lurking somewhere in the deep dark recesses of their subconscious. I think I think Glenn makes a good point. I'm I judge myself as being right. Therefore, if these people are opposing me, I immediately assume they're some kind of vile person. I'm sincere and I'm right. <laughs> I'm <laughs> right. Well, no, regardless, isn't, I, isn't that the way we look at it? Yeah, um, yeah. We think we think. Well, if if they were sincere like me, they'd see it like I see it. Yeah. And uh, we shouldn't assume if someone disagrees with us that immediately they're not sincere, they're not honest. That starts us off on a wrong foot immediately. We just may we they may be sincere and sincerely misunderstood. Uh, so we need to remember that. Good good points from Glenn. We've got yeah. a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. Real quick, uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant says big mistake people make to not determine is it personal opinion or is it doctrinal. Knowing the difference will help us know how to solve the problem. Doctrinal matters have greater weight, and the scriptures provide more information as to what needs to be done. If personal, do we apply what is written in Philippians 2.3 about esteeming others better than selves, treating others the way Jesus did as he is our perfect example? Too often things are blown out of proportion because, brethren, do not determine if something is private or public and whether it's personal or doctrinal. I think that's a big thing. And I really think Jim made an important point here. I want to read at the same time an email from Pat out in Iowa. Pat, great hearing from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. He said, here's something I haven't heard as of yet. When these conflicts come up, the first thing that must be decided is whether the conflict is a doctrinal matter or just a personal conflict. I would say that doctrinal conflicts will cause the most serious consequences in the end. Personal conflicts should be resolved between the brethren that are having the problems, as most of the time these are just differences of opinions. I think Pat and Jim are on the mark. I got to decide, is this a matter of truth and righteousness? Is this a matter that the truth of God's word must be defended? If so, I can't, I can't yield in that. If it's the truth of God's word, I can't yield at all. But if it's just a matter of personal opinion, then I ought to yield. I ought to be submissive. I don't, it doesn't have to be my way in matters of judgment and personal opinion. And if that's the case, then we don't have to have a conflict because I can give in to you. And if you're like you ought to be, you can give in to me. We ought to be able to find middle ground on a matter of personal opinion quickly. But it's not the case. I mean, that's it's easier said than done. You get uh, men in a business meeting, Dad, and, and I've I've been I've been observing a, a knockdown, dragout fight over whether or not the church should buy a hundred dollar lawnmower to cut the grass out front. Yeah, uh, you know, those are judgments and personal opinions. And in that case, if if we are taking a stand and you got to line up to my judgment and in my opinion, then you're putting yourself in a terrible position on the day of judgment because you're going to hold everyone else to your to that same standard. I, I've known brethren get upset about what temperature the thermostat ought to be set on, you know. And I've often thought if if you could get brethren to be upset about things that really matter, 
as much as they get up upset about things that are of no consequence at all, well, we'd be going somewhere. But yeah. I think that I think those are good points. Jack in Atlanta, Georgia, says mistakes people make on these matters of controversy. One, refusing to go to brethren to discuss the matter. No, they won't. Even, they won't even go to the person, other person involved. You know, uh, compromising the truth—that's a mistake. You can't ever compromise the truth. Uh, another problem: fearing that someone won't like us anymore. Well, if you know, hopefully they will like us. We'll resolve it favorably. But if they don't like us because they won't come around, uh, or, or we can't resolve it uh, based upon the truth of the gospel, then if they don't like us, we'll just have to live with that consequence. Uh, four, he says, running away from the issue, not dealing with it the right way. And five, issues that were never dealt with and resolved from years ago. And I've known that for sure. Jack, I think you're exactly right. Sometimes, brethren, let things just linger and linger on and on. It's a big problem. I think you're exactly right. All right. We have time to take your questions. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. All right. Uh, we got an email um, from Indiana. It says, some, if not many... People hate controversy and just try to hide from it or ignore the problem, hope it goes away. This in itself is wrong as we are to strive to correct error. I think that's exactly Can't right. And ignore it. That's exactly right. won't go away if we just ignore it. Uh, quickly here, uh, let me get these out, Jacob. we got we got a bunch here that we need to get to real quick. We're not going to get – it looks like we're not going to get to We never have second. done this, but what would you think about t- next week taking the other half of the question? How do you deal with it? I think we're going to have to. We've got I think some, we've got enough uh, interest here. We ought, to, we ought to spend next week talking about how to deal with it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Let me get to Mark from Cookville, Tennessee, says – Mistakes that that are made. Um, the biggest mistake that some Christians make when faced with a situation that involves controversy is they throw their Christianity out the window. When one is approached with an issue by a brother or sister in Christ, instead of listening to what's concern, what that concerned brother or sister in Christ says, they feel they are being reviled and in turn refuse to listen. They go on the defensive. They turn they in turn revile that brother or sister who came to them. Instead of listening and calmly resolving the issue, maybe even fixing some misunderstandings, they revile the one who approached them. This is a sin, and he mentions 1 Corinthians 4.12, 1 Peter 2.23, Romans 12.10, Romans 13.10, Ephesians 4.15. The one who goes to a brother should speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. Others who are at the local congregation, when they hear of conflicts, are quick to jump in and pick a side. Instead, the ones on the outside should be fair and look at the facts of the conflict and be wise. Uh, I think I think that last point is really a good one. Something very wrong to do is is to to form up sides. We all ought to be on the Lord's side, and we all ought to be on the side of truth. And again, Mark is making the point, Jacob, that several have made, and that is, boy, if somebody opposes me, my first reaction is to get mad. There's something wrong with them. If they're taking a position different than mine, there's something wrong with them. If they were right, they'd be on my side. Well, I, there's a certain way that I would act normally under normal circumstances. But when someone has a conflict with me, then all the rules are, are off, and I can treat them any way that I want to treat them. And uh, we just have a, a heyday and act any way that we want to act. Um, that's not the way that Christ would have us deal with, with error, and we need to be aware of that exactly right we got an email from anthony here in columbia tennessee who says too often when someone feels slighted or has a disagreement with someone they talk to everyone else other than the person they need to be talking to which is the person that they believe has slighted them etc if someone offends me i need to take it up with that person i think that's exactly right anthony is making a point and I've, i've seen this happen way too many times someone has got a problem and instead of going to the person that they have a problem with they start talking to everybody else about it, and and they and and this undercurrent of strife and 
divisiveness just spreads throughout the whole congregation, and pretty soon you end up with warring factions that involve a, a, a number of people that could have been handled if the first person had just gone to the other person and dealt with it. I think that's a key point. Now, I, I want us just to stress what we said earlier and from Jim Walsh's comments, from uh, uh, past comments in Iowa. We got to decide if this is, is a doctrinal issue or not. If, it, if it's a doctrinal issue, then we got to stand on the side of truth, and we can't compromise on that. We can't yield. And, and uh, even at that, we want to speak the truth in love, but we cannot compromise the truth. And, and I think that's uh, something that we pointed out at the start of the program. Uh, Paul gave the example in Galatians 2. We mentioned verses 4 and 5 when he was confronted with false teachers. He said, Galatians 2, verse 5, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. There's no, there's not going to be any compromising on truth. We just simply can't do that. Um, but so we got to decide, is this doctrine or is it personal opinion and judgment? If it's doctrine, we're going to approach it a certain way. If, but if it's personal opinion and judgment, we're going to do it a different way. But in all of that, we need to do it in love. And, if we, again, if we're binding our personal opinion and judgment, Dad, then what Jesus says is that that standard that we apply will be the standard that is used on us in the day of judgment. And so if we want to open up that that Pandora's box where we're going to submit everyone else to our judgment, then we're going to have to be accountable for their judgment of us as well. And that's not what we want. So we have to stand on the truth of God's word and uh, and judge by that absolute standard. And if it's just our opinions, uh, they may be valid opinions, Dad. I don't hold any opinions that are invalid. You don't either. They're all important to us, right? Yeah, we're not going to take exactly. any illogical opinions. Exactly. But we've got to understand that they're just that and others have different opinions. Well, I mean, everybody has an opinion. on Even on judgment matters, we have an opinion. We have it for a reason. It's what we think would be the best way to do something. But if it is purely judgment and opinion... If we have the attitude of Christ, and if we have the attitude that Paul described and was brought up, and one of our emailers mentioned Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 3, beginning, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If, in other words, if, if it's opinion or judgment, although I have one, I, it doesn't have to be my way. I can I can submit in that matter. In First uh, Peter chapter five, um, verse First uh, Peter five verse five, it says, "All of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble." So we need to yield to one another in those matters, and that will solve a lot of problems. Well, again, when we, th- we think about our judgments and our opinions, we know that we have sincere motives. I'm interested in this because. I think it's the best way to spread the gospel, or I'm interested in this because I think it'll be make for the most peace in the church, or I'm interested in this because I think it's uh, the safest way to, to go about something. Those are opinions, and certainly our motives are pure, but we have to be realize that they're opinions and be willing to submit to others' opinions. Well, if, if we're thinking about all things pertaining to serving the Lord, we're going to form opinions about matters of judgment. That's not wrong. The the, the But... When it is purely a matter of judgment or personal opinion, we have to be ready to yield. In other words, I might have an opinion about what color to paint the walls, and I might have that opinion for what I think is It will be least distracting in the worship. Yeah, I think that there's some basis for my judgment. It's not just, you know, I like that color, I don't like that other. I actually, I actually think that there's some advantage to the color that I prefer. 
But it's just the paint on the walls. It doesn't have to be my way. And I can yield in that, although I think I, I came to that conclusion for a reason. The reason is not doctrinal, and it doesn't have to be done my way in order to remain faithful to the Lord. But it sounds ridiculous when you use that as an example, but people have been upset, and there's been controversy in the church over things as silly as painting the walls. Yeah. Well, Jay, we're out of time, and we didn't even get, we didn't even touch the second part of the question. What should, what are the rules we should employ? We're going to, we're going to hold that and try to cover that next week, Lord willing, on the virtual Bible study as we get to the second program of the fourth year and hopefully with consistent uh, power supplied by the utility. Um, yeah, there may be a UPS in our future as well. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, if you're listening to this in the archive version, Two things to point out. You won't be seeing the video in the archive version, just the audio. So if you want to see the video, join us live on Thursday nights. The second thing, and Dad, this is not something that is likely or is uh, is often the case. In fact, this is the first time in three years that it's happened. But you can join in on the discussion. If you're listening after the fact, you can join in on next week's discussion. We'll be talking about the same subject, the second half of it. So join in on the discussion. Send us your comments about what we've talked about so far or about the other question we want to get into next week, how should we deal with controversy in the local church? We'll talk about that, Lord willing, one week from tonight. All right. Good deal. We, we appreciate everybody who was listening tonight, everybody who was participating, a lot of participation tonight, and we really uh, desire that. We think it makes our program the best it can be. And so uh, make it a point. Listen and watch every Thursday night. And uh, we'll continue with the virtual Bible study, Lord willing. All right. We appreciate your participation on the program tonight, and we hope it's been beneficial to you. Make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.